This is just the first step of the county's review process, and I know you can't read this. Um, we're, that's October 20th, right? So that's the first public um, forum that the county is going to hold on that. That's a work session with Gunnison County. So um, we'll certainly record any comments that we hear tonight and pass those on to the Planning Commission and up to the county commissioners. But all of you are also, of course, welcome to participate in that process, and whether that's by submitting letters or actually showing up for hearings um, to speak. You know, there is opportunity, absolutely, in Gunnison County's process to hear from the constituency, as well as the specific review agencies who are asked to comment. So again, I know that there are a lot of strong feelings on all sides of this issue, and we want to make sure that Crested Butte lives up to its reputation of engaging in really vociferous um, engagement, but also being respectful to your neighbors because everybody in here is your neighbor. And you may not agree, and we want to make sure that every voice can be heard, um, whether you agree with them or not. So please be respectful to each other um, as we go through this. And also, just as another note, you know, my role, Joe Fitzpatrick's role, Matthew Burney's role, we act at the direction of our boards, and I know there's been a lot of chatter out there about you know, our behavior or how you know, we're representing our boards, but try and refrain from that as well because we all live in this community too. Um, so that's just my editorial comment. Um, being a manager can sometimes be hard, but we're also we're representing your elected officials. All right, so on to the property. Um, hopefully everyone knows where the property is at this point. Um, on the corner of Brush Creek Road and um, um, Highway 135. Did I do it? Oh, sorry. Uh, so um, that's where we're talking about. It's a very prominent location, um, proximity to town, a little under two miles from town, right on the highway, and on the entrance to a pretty substantial development um, outside of the community. So there's this memorandum of agreement. It was signed in 1998 when... The county, the CBMR, towns of Mount Crested Butte and Crested Butte came together and purchased this property from the land trust at the time. Um, CBMR, the town of Mount Crested Butte, the town of Crested Butte all submitted $75,000 towards the purchase. The county paid a little bit less cash but threw in some adjacent land into the property. And there was an agreement, this memorandum of agreement that was signed that said that the property is intended to be used for parking, transit, intercept parking lot was really what they envisioned, as well as affordable housing. And that that could be utilized in a number of ways. It could be sold and affordable housing built somewhere else. And you know, there's three or four different things that are outlined in that. And it says that each member of that gets one vote in decision-making and that the county will hold title to the property for the benefit of the other three uh, parties. So that's the structure of the agreement that we're working under. And to my knowledge, there wasn't a lot that happened between 1998 and really late 2016. Um, the property was just land banked during that time. So we went through a process um, to select Gatesco, and if any of you don't know, some members of Gatesco um, and their team are certainly here tonight as well um, to listen to the comments. Um, we had issued, so we got an unsolicited offer for, to purchase the property from Gatesco um, in late 2016. 
And the parties said, oh, wow, we own this property. We should talk about this. So we came together and said, well, we're not just going to accept an unsolicited offer. We need to have a process by which to select um, someone to develop this property. But wow, we have this property, and what a great opportunity to address um, some of the needs of the community. The affordable housing needs assessment had come out in around November, October, November of 2016. So it's very much on everyone's mind. So we drafted a request for qualifications, and we had a lot of discussion ahead of time um, about how to frame that. And there wasn't complete agreement, but you know, we, we kept moving the process moving forward. So a request for qualifications was issued um, with the intention of finding qualified developers to go to the next step. Two developers um, emerged from that first process, Gatesco and uh, Larimer Partners. And we invited them to do more of a full-blown proposal, request for proposals. And that was largely, um, in terms of the materials that they submitted, it was largely in line with the county's sketch plan application materials. And then sort of some broad goals of the community for affordable housing, transportation, uh, trail connectivity, things like that. So there were representatives from each of the parties, the two towns, CBMR and Gunnison County, as well as a one board member from the Gunnison Valley Regional Housing Authority. Um, I didn't want to type all of that. So we all sat down, we went through an interview process and listened to both of those proposals and evaluated their qualifications. And Gatesco definitely rose to the top um, in terms of what they were offering for most of the members. And the town council had heard by the time we had our next meeting on um, July 10th, we had heard from the other three parties that they were all in favor of Gatesco by that time. So we crafted a motion, I crafted a motion for the town council, and some of the council members did participate in this evaluation process as well. And council passed a motion that they were in support of proceeding with negotiations with Gatesco in a manner largely um, in line with what had been submitted in response to the RFP. And largely the response, um, the sketch plan application is very much, you know, on, on the evaluation I've given it, is very much in line with the response to the RFP. If anything, they have increased the percentage of the affordable housing um, as a portion of the project. So that's how we got to where we are now. Um, Housing needs assessment. It's a big, important issue. We've had several housing needs assessments over the years in this valley. This one was released in November of 2016. Um, some of you may have been at the public meetings that were held at that time. And it basically says we need a whole bunch of affordable housing in the valley. It breaks it up to different areas, different income groups, ownership, rental. It makes um, assertions about how much will be provided by the free market and how much will need government engagement to make those housing units um, happen. So Melody, Melanie Reese was one of the primary um, authors of this, and the town council has directed that we hire Melanie, and we're in the process of signing the contract with her now, to do an evaluation of the Gatesco proposal versus um, the findings of the needs assessment, and that will be forthcoming um, in the coming month or so, um, as Melanie has time to get to that. We're not looking for a big document at this point, you know, five pages or less for her to really look at the recommendations for the North Valley and how this particular proposal fits with that. And obviously we'll make that public, I'm sure, um, once we receive it. 
And I'm going to turn it over to Bob Nevins, who is crafting the uh, responses on the town's behalf, and he's really got the more recent planning experience to evaluate these things. Great. Thank you. Um, wish me luck on this PowerPoint presentation. Um, the proposal as currently envisioned contains 240 units. Um, they um, consist of 32 studio units, 64 one-bedrooms, 122 bedroom units, and 24 three-bedroom units. These um, units range in size from 500 square feet for the studios to about 1,300 square feet for the three-bedroom units. These units then are then um, combined into various buildings, and those buildings are um, contained with eight duplexes, six fourplexes, ten eightplexes, three sixteenplexes, and three twenty-fourplexes. To give you an orientation, uh, State Highway 135 is going in this direction, and uh, Brush Creek Road is in this direction. So that gives you sort of an orientation. Um, these buildings along Brush Creek Road are um, eight plexes. These buildings along the back here are duplex units. Then we have fourplex units here. And then the larger scale buildings are the 16 plexes and then the three 24 plexes. Buildings range in, or in height from uh, 30 feet to about 37 and a half feet. Um, and then let me give you a little bit of uh, background on how the um, buildings are sort of structured. They're clustered around a common central open space, which is passive in nature. It's about 2.4 acres. Then there's an additional open space along the eastern property boundary, which is sort of a natural and drainage open space. Um, there are no um, real active ball fields or active uh, recreation as proposed in this current plan. Um, this is a artist rendering looking from sort of the northeast corner back across the project. Um, these are the residential units and this is the um, sort of community center which also houses a transit um, facility for, for buses. There are 69 um, park and ride spaces provided um, as part of this development. The rest of the project is parked at about one and a half um, parking spaces per unit. So about 360 parking spaces are contained for the residents within the development. These parking spaces are um, uncovered spaces there's also tuck under parking under some of the units. And then um, there are the duplex units have um, actual garages. And then the larger eight plexes along Brush Creek Road have um, underground structural parking as currently proposed. Um, 
guess that's sort of the kind um, of blow up of the open space. What I failed to mention is in terms of the deed restriction, of the 240 units, 156 are deed restricted, which is 65% of the project. Um, 84 of the units are free market and they're not under deed restrictions. So that's sort of a basic nutshell of what's being proposed. The architectural style in the development proposal is considered to be contemporary high altitude uh, vernacular um, with natural materials. And the roof forms are a series of gables, sheds, and there are the larger buildings do have flat roofs. Okay, so that's about all that you're going to hear from us today. We really just wanted to lay a little bit of groundwork about the background, about how we got here, and just the real basic fundamentals um, that are included in the project proposal. And now I think we want to turn it over, open it up for comments. And again, behave, be good people. We know you are. Um, everyone can do that. Uh, we do have a request from our media here to state your name um, as well, so please do that, and um, we'll obviously try and um, capture that too. Bob, I believe, is going to scribe comments as well, and really, we're here as staff. Absolutely, your elected officials are here to really hear what you have to say, and please take that opportunity to also listen to each other. Um, I know there's a lot of strong feelings about this project, so please just have an open mind and listen to what your neighbors have to say. And if things start to go long, then we actually will start timing and doing three-minute limits because we are going to try and have a hard stop at 8. We know everybody is busy. We know some people want to get over to Iron Poor. Um, so we're going to try and do that. And Chad, do you have anything you need to say? No. I believe Chad is going to be the one who goes around and tries to get you to speak into the microphone. Yeah, I guess I do have something to say. Um, I do need you to speak into the microphone for the people that are unable to be here. Maybe they're at work, they're at home, they're doing a number of different things. So if you just shout out your response, it really only benefits the people in this room and not the listening audience. So we know some, some folks are loud and don't want to use the microphone, but it's the only way we get it on the radio. So with that said, who's first? Right there. I'm Joel Benish, and I just have a quick question about the two and a half acre open area in the center. Does it contain or intend to contain any playground type facilities, swings, slides, sandboxes, whatever for the children that will inevitably be living there? It appears on the uh, drawings or the renderings that there is a, a children's play area in the center as, long, as well as a gazebo and a series of walking paths that um, surround the perimeter of the project? So that's a great question. We can certainly include that um, in the comments that we provide to the county to ask for more elaboration on um, the active play amenities that are included. Thanks. Anybody else? Just one. Any questions? Good. Here we go. Now they're going to make me work for it. I was going to wait till the end and sit through this and hopefully have others make these comments. But uh, my first question is, is this really, oh, I'm sorry, Tom Hamilton. Thank you. Um, is this really in response to the 
need for housing assessment that's been commissioned and provided by the county commissioners, by the county of Gunnison. Because if so, what are we really doing? I mean, if the goal is affordable housing, truly affordable housing at 60% or less of the AMI is only 33 units, it's going to provide about the same number of affordable, truly affordable units as Anthracite Place. While it does that, it is going to provide 240 units. And although your number of market units is correct, but if you look at the number of units at AMI and above, that is a wholly different number. While it does this, it will have consequences. It will have consequences on traffic. It will have consequences on transportation. It will have consequences, huge consequences, on the local school. So are we trying to solve the whole county's problem at the north end, or would we be better served putting 50 affordable units at the north end, 50 affordable units in the middle, and 50 affordable units in the south end of the valley? Because the assessment needs <laughs> nowhere said we need to solve this with rental units, a high density of rental units on the north end of the valley. They also said that it should be affordable not only at the rental side, but at the home ownership side. And I credit the town of Crested Butte for having the micro lots and trying to create affordable housing for families. I think that this proposal is bold. It's visionary, but it's also misguided. Thanks, Tom. Who would like to speak next? My name is Susan Sweetra. Um, I have read the proposals online. And I see nothing in any of those proposals about where they're going to be getting their water from. Uh, last year, the town was running out of water and asking people not to water their lawns. And if they take their water junior rights out of East River, I've lived here long enough that I've been through three droughts that they would have had all their water completely shut off. And so I'd like to know where they're going to get their water from. I'd like to know who's going to pay to do all of the infrastructure work because there's going to have to be something done at that intersection. There's going to have to be, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of stuff done. And I don't think as every, everyone in the north end of this valley is working to have, we're building a nice water treatment facility over here. The mountain has enclosed theirs, and the developers are proposing an open-air water treatment facility at the north end of the valley. And just as the last thing that I heard, as you guys said, after a 100-inch snowfall last year in less than 10 days, they're seriously going to build a flat roof on the north end of this valley? You've got to be kidding me. Okay, a couple of responses I have to that. Thank you for reminding me. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the uh, whole um, application is available on Gunnison County's website on their 
planning department page. Um, you can search for it there. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for the thoughtful questions. And the sketch plan phase really is about asking questions. There's not, we don't have the traffic study detail yet. We don't have, you know, real engineering analysis and things like that. So a lot of it is, is asking those questions that we want um, answered um, prior to the next phase of the development review process. So thank you for raising some of those questions. Okay, thanks, Sue. Thanks, Dara. Um, who would like to ask the next question? Here we go. Please start by stating your name. Will do. Hi, I'm Donna Novak. Um, it's my understanding that there are four entities that own this property. I mean, all of us being one of that. And in reading the paper today, it's my understanding that Mount CB thinks this is a terrific idea. Good for them. Um, but my question is, how much power do we have as one quarter of that body? And if we make a decision, we, meaning people in Crested Butte, make the decision that we don't like it or we want things changed or we have other questions, do, does that really count a lot? Do, can the other three override that vote and still go on with the development the way it's been proposed? So that is my big question. Thank you. So I'm going to attempt to respond to that one because it's not necessarily about the sketch plan application. Um, there, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about this, and I can tell you that your town council here in Crested Butte is very concerned with that question of the ability to um, discuss the transfer of the property, and they're working on trying to um, find ways to um, convince the other partners to potentially slow down on that. But there's not a lot of latitude in the MOA, but there are a lot of attorneys on both sides of all of this that are thinking hard about that right now, I can certainly tell you. And I have a question right here. Yeah, use that microphone. Yeah. Uh, I'm Carolyn Reimer. Um, I wanted to follow up on the 35% of units that are market-based housing. So that's about 80 units, probably 200-plus people. Is the intent, because there's no local restriction on it, that those units be used for like a VRBO type thing where people from the front range are going to come up and do three-month leases, which they're allowed to do, and maybe rent it under one name and have four people join in with them and you've got a turnover. You can't control the 240 units in those leases. So I'd like to know what's the intent of who you think is going to come here. Are they workers or are they going to be visitors? Um, again, quick answer on that one. From the beginning with the RFQ and the RFP, um, we made clear that short-term rental would not be allowed um, on the project, but that's absolutely something that should be carried forward um, as the intention and, and solidified um, prior to any sort of project. Yep, so the question about lease term um, and how long or short the, the minimum lease term would be is, is a good question. We've got a question back here from Todd. Hi, Dara. Hi, Todd. Would you like to go over what the gun... Oh, Todd Barnes. <laughs> Mount Crested Butte, Mayor. Would you like to go over Appendix B, which states the median family income for Gunnison County 2016, I think there is some confusion about what persons earn and what persons can expect to earn in terms of the rental uh, proposal, and that is the 156 out of 240 
that would be regulated to the 180% of AMI or less, which just happens to be, by my calculation, $123,000. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm a door. Apparently, I'm a door, not a window. So here. <clears throat> Would you just mind going over the AMI? I think those numbers are important. No? I'm, I'm actually just not prepared to speak to that right now. But if you have it on your phone in front of you. Well, we have so many people here that may want to know exactly what it represents as the earnings of persons in this valley as established by previous calculations that it, it might be informative to just see what we're up against. What do you want to do? I would direct anyone who's interested in the affordable housing parameters that are laid out for this community and the various incomes that define each strata to look at the housing needs assessment. It's certainly available on our website and the Gunnison Valley Regional Housing Authority's website, but we don't have that um, data here tonight. Hi, I'm Jim Talbot. I've had property out um, on <clears throat> Brush Creek Estates for about 17 years. And my question is, what do the developers plan as far as trails to uh, be made out of Brush Creek area, through Buckhorn to CB South, or what ideas are on their mind? This is Jess. Yeah, I'm Jess Ladwig, and um, I think it's great with the affordable um, income kind of deal going on, but if there's no chance or possibility for personal ownership of any of the units, what would be the long-term benefits of a local person actually living there? So your preference would be to have some opportunity in a project like this for homeownership. Right. Thank you. Okay, next question or comment down front. And uh, then we're going to come back to Tom. Hi, my name is Sally Jandrell. And I'm curious as to what will happen if the units actually don't get rented out. If you read the needs assessment, they predict you know, 200 more people are going to move to the North Valley. I mean, full-time, workers, living people. 200 people, not 800, 200 people. And a lot of the needs, as this woman just spoke to, people want to buy houses. They don't want to rent houses. They want to buy houses in town. They don't want to be out by the golf course. So I, one of my big questions is, what if this gets built and no one really wants to live there, no one can... Don't, and they aren't rented out. What happens? Does the developer walk away and still make millions of dollars? Is the county left with something that they can't deal with? That's one of my questions. Yeah, and these are really good questions, you guys. And um, I think it's really to the benefit that the development team is here tonight because these are certainly things that I'm not prepared to answer, but I'm sure they're hearing you and we'll um, try and incorporate the responses. Tom Hamilton again. Um, so according to the proposal that I saw, 50% of the units are at market, and a large number of the units are for individuals with more than 
100% of the AMI. So I would suggest everybody look at the proposal because in terms of solving the affordable needs issue, I still think this falls short. I mean, there, I will clarify there has been um, a change from the response to the request for proposals, which I believe did um, propose 50% of the units as affordable to the sketch plan application, which now uh, proposes the 65%. Great. I looked at it yesterday and it wasn't there. Yeah. Next comment, please, down front. This is Carolyn Reimer. Did the uh, percent of AMI change when the affordable housing went up? Because I didn't think it was 180% until I read the sketch plan. And so that could change the numbers too. Yep, another great question. And again, um, I think that's why the town council has chosen to engage Melanie Reese to really come in and evaluate um, the proposal against the needs assessment. Because I'm hearing a lot of things, not just in this meeting, about how it does or doesn't line up, and so the council has decided to go back to the source on that one. Roland Mason, uh, town council. Uh, my question is, just looking at that plan, um, I noticed there doesn't seem to be a lot of area for snow removal, and I know Pitchfork, people that live in Pitchfork um, can tell you that it gets tight in there, and I'm just wondering what they plan on doing with snow storage and snow removal. Hi, I'm Susan Gardner, and uh, we're talking about 17 acres here. 13 acres, sorry, I thought it was 17. The impact is tremendous. It's unheard of. The water alone, the traffic, now we've got snow. This is not doable. This is not going to work. It has to go on a shelf and be rewritten. Thank you. Again, again, I really appreciate the enthusiasm and passion that some people here have for this project and for a certain perspective, but we do want to create an environment where somebody with potentially an opposing position feels comfortable speaking as well. So I appreciate that, but please try and hold your applause. Um, my name is Laura Irwin. Uh, I live very close to this proposed development. Um, I actually live on the corner of Brush Creek Road and Slate River Road. And so I go by this corner all the time. And I'm a little curious about this sketch. Um, I would like to know if it is actually to scale because when you really look at this property and you consider pacing across it, um, the sketch plan it seems to be very generous in the way that it's laying out these buildings and making it seem like there's this big park area in the middle and these great sidewalks. And um, I think in reality, that's going to be a very, very tight development. And so I would really like to know if that um, sketch is in fact to scale. So looking for more information that shows more relief um, of, the, of the proposed project? I've got a couple questions over here and then I'm going to go over there. This is more efficient. Hi, my name is Julie Manchester. I just had a quick question about the parking. With 360 spaces, 
um, in a winter with a big snow year, assuming spaces are going to get covered in snow, is 360 spaces for the imagined number of 800 people or whatever, or no, some will be kids. Is that number one enough? If there's excess cars, where are they going to park? Hi, Glow Cunningham. Um, if you wouldn't mind going back, I could not figure out where the transit center was going to be in that little plan. I wouldn't mind someone please pointing that out. So a statement and not a question. I saw the cute little red trees, but I didn't know where they were. Thank you very much. Um, having been a part of the land trust when all this came down a few years ago, uh, there were a lot of things we thought about, but I doubt that we ever thought that it was going to be this many units on this small of a space. Tom had a very good idea of breaking it up into three different spots going down the valley. Uh, then that would affect the schools in Gunnison as well as affecting the schools in Crested Butte. So um, I just think this is a lot of buildings, but the most important thing for me, if we are going to allow this many buildings, from my point of view, 100% need to be absolutely real affordable housing. Okay, we are moving around. Ladies and gentlemen, like to remind you, we are on KBUT, and thanks for being civil. Hi, I'm Barbara Horn, and um, since the information I've gotten is that we don't have a real assessment of what the housing needs are at this point. Is that correct? Well, we do have a housing needs assessment. The latest one was completed in late 2016. So you're doing another study? No, what the council has directed is to hire the author, the primary author of the housing needs assessment to have her evaluate um, this proposed development against the recommendations of the needs assessment. Now, have the four parties ever considered doing this in a phase one, phase two, and see how the needs grow? I mean, that would make total sense to me, you know, so I don't understand why that has never, you know, is, is, is not being thought of. Uh, Mr. Gates, I guess you are right here. I was just... Again. Yeah, yeah hi. Um, you own the building at Elk and... What is that? Second and L. When did you buy that? So, ma'am, please, let's keep our comments about this proposal here. Um, well, for I think we should know about the developer. Again, let, we're here to inform the comments about but our But don't you response. all want to know about the developer? Ma'am, no. I'm sorry, people. We're not going to set up a time to, you know, okay. Let me take a step back here. Mr. Gates and his members of his family are here tonight, and they showed up for this, right? Because they want to hear Great. from you. And that, and that takes some effort and some bravery, and I would respect, respectfully ask you to be civil and to not attack them. What, the intention tonight is really to inform the town's comments about the proposal, okay? So please, that... Okay. There may be a forum I'll move for on that to later, another subject but it's not then. here. I'll move on to something else. I've lived, I mean, off and on, we're seasonal owners. We're owner, but we don't live here full time. Uh, but we've been here for 12 years. And um, from what I know about Crested Butte, I am just so surprised that four communities within this area 
got together and then are going to sell the land and then have someone from the outside develop it. You know, why, why wouldn't you work with the developers and everyone in this community? I, you know, that's what Crested Butte is more about. So that's my other comment. So thank you. My name is Pam Lowe, and I have just a question. Um, I looked at the website, the corner at Rush Creek, and it talked about qualifying and do I qualify based on residency and income? And under residency, it says typical residency requirements in the past have been two years or six months continuous in the valley. Now, that says typical resident requirements have been. Um, are those going to be the same requirements? And if so, if you have to be a resident for six months to qualify for one of these apartments, how does that possibly help seasonal employees or people who are moving here to get a job when we hear that they can't find somebody to be here because there's not housing. But if you have to be here for six months before you qualify for this, Those how does that questions. work? <laughs> yeah, good questions. And it, so then again, if you don't qualify and you aren't able to fill the deed-restricted properties because you don't meet these qualifications, then what happens? I have heard of other areas in the valley where there have been deed restrictions and something happened and the deed restriction goes away. So how easy is it for a deed restriction to go away also? Thanks for that. Next comment, please start with your name. Uh, I'm Monica Bailo. I live here for 17 years. I like this picture, and, uh, but it's amazing how this picture wake up all our fears here, <laughs> what's going to happen here. And, uh, and I'm really afraid because I think that uh, I never see so many people here <laughs> for something that is not a good concert. And, uh, and uh, I ask myself, we're really concerned, we're really afraid. Now, if all of us feel that we don't want this like that, even that looks really nice, okay? We think that it's too much for us. What power we have? We are a small town, and, you know, when I came here, the big thing was the red lady, and now it's okay. And now we have this. And I don't want to shout, you know, just I, I want to continue living in peace here. And... Um, for me, I don't know, I come from very far away here. And uh, I really want houses for the people that work here. Okay, and I really want affordable houses. I, these questions, they're really great. And maybe not so smart to read all these numbers and to see what's going to happen. But inside my heart, I'm afraid. And I don't really want to see this happen next to my house. Thank you. Thank you. I have one over here. You got one? All right. It's Joel Benish again, and I'm looking at this drawing, and I really appreciate the request to, that uh, GLOW put out to locate the transit center on the drawing. I think we need to ask the developers in your response 
to explain the logic of placing the bus destination building as far away from the highway as it could possibly get. <laughs> Next comment. My name's Grant Bremer, and I also want to talk about the parking for a second. This is the memorandum of agreement, and in it it says, uh, the real property, blah, 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 shall be defined as the parking lot parcel. This proposal has... 361 spots for, eight, for 600 adults. Let's save a couple thousand bucks here. Who here has a car? Raise your hand. That's it? Really? I'm surprised. The proponents suggest that uh, people are going to walk, ride their bike, and ski to town. Does everybody see that path on the left-hand side of the drawing? Does anybody wonder whose path that property is on? That property is on. That that's Skyland Metro. Met, that's Skyland Community Association's path, and that path where it goes off the map on the lower left-hand corner goes to a bridge. Do you know who paid for and put that bridge in? You know whose property that bridge is on? It's on Skylands. Do you know where that bridge goes to that property? That's Riverlands. River Bend's stretch of, of trail. And yet nobody asked Skyland. Nobody asked Riverland, hey, can we use your path? You mind if we put it on our map? So what happens if Skyland in Riverland, all of a sudden to go, decided to go Trump. <laughs> We're going to build a wall, and it's going to be beautiful. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but personally, I have three cars, two snowmobiles, two motorcycles, and a trailer. Who... Who, who doesn't have that stuff? A, a couple people. Okay, great. But Jerry, you drove here. I, I, I just, you got to have the parking for the houses that are here. I mean, that, that otherwise it's just, it's just not going to work. Uh, parking rides work for going to work when you're there for eight hours. The bus doesn't work to go get a half gallon of milk. It just, it just doesn't work. So um, that's my big beef. You don't have enough places to park. So um, I'm hoping that uh, I know this is going down the road, um, and that's okay. I just hope at the end of it all we come up with something that, uh, that's, that people have enough places to park and they're not so on top of each other and it doesn't impact us so much. Thanks a lot. I got one over here. Then you'll be next. Sandy Leinsdorf. Can you show me where the sewer treatment and the water treatment facilities are going to be placed? I know. I can 
not do that. <laughs> So water, if they did wells, would be located up by the community center, and then this is the treatment facility down here if they were to do on-site. Okay. We have Go a on. comment here. I'm Rosalind Cook. Um, sewage treatment for up to 800 people would be dumped into Slate River. We're all concerned about the environment. And secondly, we're full-time owners. I love the people that work in Crested Butte. They deserve something better than this. Okay, next comment, please. Hi, my name is John Stenmark. Um, I've seen that the county is moving ahead with purchase negotiations with Gatesco, and I'm just questioning the intelligence of that decision to move towards purchase when there there's really nothing in place and that affects leverage and so forth on, on both sides of the argument. Okay, here we go. I am Linda Roberts and I'd like to just say that it's a little unfair that we're not supposed to be repetitive and yet we cannot show that we support certain statements that are being said tonight. How do you know the veracity or how strongly we feel about certain points that have been made tonight if we aren't allowed to voice uh, clapping or something? Sure, and I appreciate that. Um, we are, again, it's really more of a time issue, and I think the elected officials who are here um, and probably people listening on the audience can hear the um, passion and the concerns. So I had one. Where is Sue? There is Sue. Hello, Sue. Um, I'm Susan Tizer, and my feelings about this whole process has been a mess, and I'm not happy with what I see up here, and I think it's incorrect to be done in that space. And the person up here who is saying to do 50 units here, 50 units there, and 50 units somewhere else sounds more reasonable, and once again, affordable is where it's at. Nothing else should be put out there except affordable housing for people who need a place to live. It's the only way this town is going to run well. All right, we had a hand up here. Here you go. Please start with your name. I'm John Stroop. I would like to know what the rationale is of selling a piece of property that's probably worth what? Two million bucks for two hundred thousand dollars to the developer. What, what's the rationale behind that? Okay. Do we have another comment? I hear some talking. I'd like to hand you the microphone so our listeners could hear it. So who was it? All right. Cool. Thank you. All right. My name is Char Fulton, and I. I would like, with all these questions now, for our, the potential developer to speak on these. So again, I think there will be an opportunity for that, but tonight the intention is really to collect the comments from the community to inform the sketch plan application. 
This is Susan Sweetra. I'm going part two again. Um, it was hard to see. You can't see anything on here, and I didn't really see anything in the proposal. If you're going to make this truly affordable housing, where are the renewable sources? Where, you know, get, you can't put in forced air. You should be putting in in-floor radiant heat. You should be using, if you can do it, you should be putting solar panels up. You should be doing all of these things to make this a more economically and environmentally appropriate development for the entire community. It's not only, you know, I'm still, I don't know quite where I'm going with this whole thing. I'm not sure whether I really like this whole thing. I know I, don't, I think it's too big. But if you're going to do it, it has to be done right. And to not do it in an environmentally sustainable and environmentally, environmentally conscious way, you know, what's the point of having affordable housing if it's not built really well and really tight and you end up having to pay 100 bucks a month for your electricity? Yep, great comment. You know. Okay, do we have any more comments? Yes, we do. Woody? Thank you. Hi, my name's Woody Sherwood, and I've been in the community for quite a number of years. And I've watched this whole area develop. I live out there in the Skyland area. And um, a couple of comments. One is, is that when you come back to the Gunnison Valley, you have a few awe moments. And one of them is when you come over Monarch Pass. Another uh, when you come around Round Mountain. And then another one's when you cross the Slate River there. And this doesn't really fit into that. And so that's just a comment that I have, that as part of the land use resolution, it's about trying to keep things in context. And I don't think we quite do that in this particular setting. Further, watching things happen in the Valley over the years, in CB South, there's been this wonderful thing that's occurred of home ownership. And they really have done a nice job with it. And I really think that something on the scale of CB South with home ownership, quarter, third acre parcels with the pride of ownership fits into the context of this neighborhood. And it also solves part of the problem of the entry level housing because there's people that come here and take entry level housing in town that have decided to become a part of our community, become managers, become long term residents, and they want that next step. And when they move into an area like this with home ownership, it's going to open up other property. So you don't have to just always say that you're going to solve everything with this problem or with this solution. There's a lot of things that will happen if you come in and do something in the context of the neighborhood and with the pride of home ownership. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Woody. I'm gonna, we're going to hear over here. You got one? All right. Yes. My name is Bob Fraser, and um, I'm just wondering, quite honestly, if we aren't trying to build a new slum in Crested Butte. The density of this property and the location reminds me of the housing projects that were all over in the cities that I grew up in that have now been torn down because they just didn't work. And, you know, not only is this, 
you know, type of type of arrangement, you know, not within keeping of the of the neighborhood, which is properties located on a quarter of an acre and up. It's uh, really, you know, by by putting all the all the poor people in one spot. Are we creating a bigger problem? Yep. Thanks for that comment. Uh, yes, my name's Nina Zemmel, and one of the concerns I have is traffic flow. Um, if it's everybody's going to be coming out on Brush Creek onto the main highway, I just can't even imagine with the density of, pe of with this proposal what the traffic will be like. Um, and then I just also want to voice, I'm very disappointed that we're not getting any answers. I mean, I love that we're presenting questions, but I think so many of us came out to hear some answers as well. Yep. Trudy Fraser, I haven't lived here but for two and a half years, and I do come from the East. And I do, having spent time in Crested Butte, Love the idea that you can't tell someone from the $2 million houses from those who have gotten, uh, I don't know what it's called, but they're living among. It's an affordable house in a neighborhood. And nobody knows your income. But I know coming from the East, as Bob has said, it's those and it's us. And it's psychologically... I know Crested Butte in this area is trying to do the best they can, but I know it doesn't work psychologically. It's those and it's us. It's affordable and it's unaffordable. I am just asking you to think of an integrated way of making it work. That's all I'm asking, because it doesn't work in the East. Things that have been built have been torn down and started again. You have to think of the humanity and people's pride to make this work, not the buck. Okay, we have another comment right here. Hi, my name is Carol Webb, and nobody's mentioned... Um, dogs. Um, I'm a pet lover, and I just can't imagine that you're going to have less than 200 dogs <laughs> on, you know, on this property. I mean, I I've been on the poop loop, and um, you know, I see people walk by my house with their dogs. They don't pick up after it. I'm really concerned about exercise for these dogs. I'm concerned about too many people, the dogs being frightened, and issues with animals. I, I'm, I agree with everybody else about the big issues, but I also have a concern about the pets running into the street, being killed. I mean, I've, I have a hard time even when people ride their bikes with their dog next to it, because if I'm in an SUV, I can't see the darn dog. And, you know, and, and that scares the heck out of me. I'm concerned about the size of this project, the number of people that are going to live there. And people have more than one dog, so I'm concerned about the numbers of animals that are going to be there also. Would you guys mind passing this down? Barbara Horn, 
Um, so another question is, who's going to do the architectural review? Who's going to be doing the building inspections to make sure this is being built correctly? You know, and how are we going to get the answers to all these questions? Sure. So uh, quick answers. So this is in Gunnison County in the unincorporated area. So the review of the structures and the building inspections will fall under the authority of Gunnison County. Um, and as far as answers, I think we're trying to collect all these questions um, so that hopefully through the land use process with Gunnison County, uh, the developer and the County Planning Commission will come back with answers to many of these questions. Okay, so the one answer was Gunnison County is going to be responsible for architectural review? I can't speak to the architectural requirements in the county, I'm sorry. I, I just don't, but I simply don't. But Gunnison County, it's... It is not the town of Custa Butte. But it's Gunnison County and you don't really know who that is? Is that what the you're saying? Gunnison County has a community development department and a land use code, and they will be the planning commission will be reviewing this project to ensure that it complies with the land use code. Okay, and then there's building inspectors as well through the yeah. whole process. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. Clay Berger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what happens when two, three hundred kids show up for school here in Crested Butte? Do we have any capacity? I was, on, I was reading stuff in the paper to the extent that now they're talking about they're at full capacity, they're not going to be able to handle any more students. So what happens when two, three hundred kids show up one day? Well, that's a good question. Why isn't anybody answering these questions? Again, um, this is the process, right? And we, we're stuck. We're... As a community, we have adopted a set of rules, and that set of rules includes a process. And we are at the very beginning of that process. But absolutely, that specific question is, is a very good one and one that will be asked. This is, this is Carolyn Reimer again. I heard some questions when the cost of the property came up. So I think to clarify that, what we're looking for is, what is the fair market value of the property, and is it being sold at a discount to the developer? And so is that basically taxpayer money going to subsidize this project, which is supposedly a, a private project? And to respond to that one quickly, your city council has requested, again, a transfer or contract not proceed until such time as an appraisal has been done so that they can adequately um, evaluate the cost and benefit of the project along with the other impacts and benefits associated with the project. So, um, yes. Hi, Martin Cooper. I, I haven't read the uh, housing needs assessment study, but I'm intimately uh, aware that Western State and Gunnison Valley Health are in dire need of affordable housing. I'm just wondering how this development will, will help meet those needs. Marnie Easley, after spending decades watching the land use resolution come into being and being enforced, my question to the county commissioners and the planning commission is how do you see this as appropriate for the valley floor in this valley? Next comment, down here. Yes, my name is Zach Smith and um, I, 
I'm 28 and I can't afford a $2 million house in Crested Butte. I can't even afford to live in Crested Butte because the rent's so high. And I think this is a really good idea. I know people are concerned about <clears throat> water and stuff like that and bridges. I mean, whatever, you know. Um, but I do think it's a really good idea. So. Hi, my name is Mike. Uh, I've lived in the Valley for 27 years, and I'm a proud member of the workforce here. Um, I have a pretty good understanding of how the land use resolution works, and uh, as there's no zoning in Gunnison County, so the land use resolution allow or, or relies heavily on surrounding developments to determine what the appropriate density for a new development would be. It, it has a clause in there that allows the Gunnison County Planning Commission to add additional density if there's a certain percentage of low-income housing, and that's what's going on here. The Larkspur, which you can't see but is very close to this, is a relatively dense subdivision that's in the area. And in fact, I think it's the most dense subdivision in the Brush Creek Corridor. And, uh, and this, as it's proposed, is, has 10 times the density of that. The, I think it is appropriate that the land use resolution allows for higher density to allow the developer to, you know, in a sense, it, it allows the developer to add more units to their property and provide some affordable housing for people. But it's always been my understanding that that additional density was still to remain somewhat appropriate to the area that it, the development's happening in. Uh, to me, 10 times the density or even five times the density is entirely inappropriate. Um, I, I think the the in addition to that, I think that this, if this, there's a whole bunch of unattended, unattended consequences that could occur if this development goes through anything near as it's drawn. And one of the ones that I have is if we go through with this development and allow this type of density here, does that then lower the bar for this additional development of this density in this area? There's two other lots that are on the market that you could hit with a rock from this property, one directly across Brush Creek Road, I mean, Highway 135, and another one just south. So if this goes through like this, does that mean that the developers in the future will be able to pr propose plans that look similar to this and say, hey, it's already been done here, the precedent has been set? Uh, I find that very concerning. And in addition to that, the idea of having an on-site septic treatment facility, I also am very concerned with because that really opens the door to these type of de developments occurring all over the place. I mean, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be challenging. And that is what has kept our community from growing at astronomical rates to this point. I really think that we're opening up the door and really, I, I believe this is a real game changer for, our, for the north end of the valley and I really don't think that it should have happened this way. And in addition to that, I should, I'd like to comment that I have adult kids that are struggling to find a place to live. 
I have employees that are struggling to find a place to live, and I hire dozens of subcontractors that are struggling to find a place to live. I'm, Adam, I'm very for responsible, affordable housing solutions, but I don't think this is it. Hi, uh, Jackson Petito, I'm on town council. Dara, thank you for running this meeting. And I wouldn't ask this if I didn't think you understand it way better than I do and probably some of the people in the room. Just the difference between the town's input as one of the four MOA parties and the town's input as a review agency. I think a little clarification would be good. Sure. So um, the MOA more controls the property. And so we have one of four votes in talking about disposition of the property or uses of the property, things like that. Um, versus a land use application where we are a reviewing agency um, for the county. And so issues and questions that are raised by the town um, get sort of must be addressed through the property one way or the other in the land use process. Um, and so there's, there's some um, sort of subs more substantive role that the town has as a reviewing agency and a commenting agency in the legal process of a land use review. And so we're really trying to make sure that we're capturing um, all of the questions and concerns of the Crested Butte community as part of the comments that we submit um, officially to Gunnison County. And I see someone over here with a question who hasn't asked one yet. Thanks. Um, my name is John and I work and live here and I'm lucky enough to have affordable housing in Crested Butte, but it's temporary and it's been that way for 10 years. So I keep on moving around, right? Um, and the way I'm looking at this, this is okay and I like the development, but why not make the VRBO illegal so that homeowners are compelled to rent to people who live here year round? There's definitely plenty of housing, and why not instead build a hotel or something that accommodates visitors rather than having the houses that are already built accommodate the visitors that are coming? This way we could have year-round housing for people who live here year-round instead of just building more rentals that are going to be expensive. Thanks, Jonathan. We're back to Jess back here. Yeah, hi, uh, Jess Ladwig, and I was just, it's kind of disappointing as um, a person who's lived in Crest Butte for a long time, knowing that we do have some sort of say in such buildings of this magnitude, and yet it's gotten this far in its planning already, and so then to figure out, we're asking all these questions, is there a scheduled follow-up meeting that we'll be able to get some answers or how do we find out when that's going to be and how that's going to look and what we actually have authority to put into it. I'm sure we will be scheduling a follow-up shortly. But another question? Yes. Hi, I'm, I'm David Brennan. I am uh, owned a home up here for seven years up in Buckhorn Ranch and I've been living here full-time for almost a year now. And um, I just left Houston where I've seen many of these types of developments and how they have changed 
uh, the communities or the areas where they are developed because of the density, because of the volume of traffic, because of the other associated businesses that then spring up around them. Um, and we moved out. Um, I was lucky enough to have attended my first meeting here at the, the library. I guess it was Tuesday of last week or Thursday. Whatever. I'm retired. I don't know day from one from the other. But um, the, the, the thing that really left me here is not only the density and how much we're trying to jam into one spot, but if you look at the height of the buildings, and when you hear 38 feet, and you uh, are in my situation where I'm still you know, kind of cherry up here, right? So I drive down Valley with a big smile on my face. I come back up Valley, and it's like, I just love where we live. As I was going home towards Brush Creek, I looked to the left, to the hillside that sits where this development is going to be, and I envisioned a 38-foot building on top of that hill. And it's just going to totally destroy uh, the, the, the beauty, if you will, or the, or the, the, the feel of this community which is the reason I bought here seven years ago. Um, we all want affordable housing. We understand the importance. Um, this gentleman should have an easier way of living his life. But the reality is this doesn't fit with our community. It's far too dense. Grant made a great point. All the toys, all the dogs, all the cars, it just doesn't work. So please, scrap it and start over. Laura Mitchell, let's try to get back to not clapping after every comment, please. It goes a lot quicker. Thanks. Um, my only question is, do you envision any problems with the financing of these free market houses amid all these affordable housings? Like, are they going to be able to get mortgages on these? That's my only question. Thanks. Um, I do have uh, John O'Neill here who wants to make a comment, and many of you may know that John is part of the development team. So again, I just want to emphasize, be respectful. He's a member of our community. So with that, I'm turning over to John. Thanks. Um, live here in town, grew up here in town, love this town like I know all of you do too. Someday I'll be buried right down the road in the cemetery. Um, and I... I wanted to say something tonight, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to say. And part of me wanted to come with all the reasons why I believe in this and why I signed on to be a part of this. And I thought, that's probably not going to get real far. I thought, maybe I could say something that would help the conversation be a little more productive and move forward a, uh, a little better. Um, so I spent some time this week trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who did not believe in this project and who was not for this project and tried to come up with a list of concerns about how this project might uh, ruin their quality of life, perhaps, or they would have to deal with the traffic every day. Um, they would have to deal with the dogs. They would have to deal um, with the views changing, that there would be change that would go on, um, that somehow maybe the neighborhood would be worse off, or maybe they it would be unsafe, um, that people's property values would go down. I, I really... Uh, and our whole team would like to understand these concerns and listen and dialogue over them. Um, if there's an email address on the website that comes to me, I would like to try to answer any question you might have or concern you might have. Um, we have answers to a lot of these. We're not prepared to answer them tonight. A lot of these will come out on the 20th in the uh, county meeting. So I thought, well, let's talk about something we all agree on. And I think something we can all agree on is that this place is a magical place. And that's why we buy property here, and that's why we live here, and we love this place dearly. And I think the main thing that makes this place magical are all of you. 
and it's the people who live in this place. Um, and when people leave, we lose a little bit of that magic. Um, so why do we need affordable housing? Why are we here? Why are we going through all this pain? You know, is it just so the workers can have more houses to live in? Do we need more workers to get the work done? No, it's about the community, isn't it? Isn't it about the community and what the, the community is becoming? The changes that are going on in the community? Uh, there's lots of things that are changing our community that we can do nothing about. We can't change the market conditions. We can't change the price of housing. We can't change Airbnb and uh, VRBO. Well, well, maybe we can. Maybe that would be great. We can't get rid of those platforms. We can manage them a little. But there are some things we can do. We can make room for more locals. Uh, because that's, that's what makes this place special, um, the community. Um, and that's what this project is, is, is trying to do. Make some room for locals. Create an affordable uh, neighborhood for locals. So the question is, well, how much affordable housing? How much affordable housing do we need? And that's what the housing uh, assessment attempted to answer. And there's a lot of data and there's a lot of information and, and people can interpret it in different ways. Um, but that's what that was for. My answer is how much affordable housing do we need? We need enough to keep Crested Butte the real special uh, town that it is. The number of second homeowners is increasing. The number of tourists is increasing. And that's great. We need those to increase. But the number of year-round residents is decreasing. It's, it's an ecosystem. Everybody needs each other. If, if the second homeowners went away, everything would die. The tourists went away, we'd die. And the trends, the way they're going, will ultimately uh, change this town where it will never be the same. Um, it's a big project. It's dense. There's a, it, it is big. But so is the hole we're in. It's a deep hole. And, and it takes something big to get out of the hole. The hole gets deeper every year. Um, uh, kind of losing my place here. Uh, anyway, I believe in this project. I believe in our team. I believe in the location. I'm willing and happy to sit down with anybody and discuss the project. Um, I want to do something that makes a difference, that keeps this community on the track to being the place that it is. Thank you. Okay, we're back here with Laura. Hi, thank you. Um, Laura Irwin again. Uh, I have lived here for 12 years, and I do own a, a business here down in Gunnison, and I've actually owned that business now for almost 12 years as well. Um, I have a few things here that really concern me. Um, number one, I really hope there's going to be a really good traffic study on this tied to the approval of this project, because if anybody has tried to exit Brush Creek going left or right, it's an absolute nightmare. I there this morning trying to catch the bus down to Gunnison. And let me tell you, a pedestrian cannot safely cross that road, um, especially little kids or people on bikes. So now, if anybody has noticed, there is some building going on directly across from Brush Creek Road. So basically what you've got is a four-way intersection with only one stop sign right there. I've also talked to a friend who's um, one of the bus drivers and uh, wanted to know their opinion. And when they realized that they were going to have to drive down there and um, go to some kind of whatever RTA center over there, um, they were not pleased at all. And I think that intersection right there is a real problem, and it's really going to have to be changed. And people need to consider what that's going to look like. Um, I think there's going to be multiple lanes there. And I really, really hope that this whole approval process really takes that into consideration. My other question is, it baffles my mind 
that at this point, um, and I would like to thank the town council for having this meeting, um, that you know really shows that you're starting to listen to people and, and you are not starting, sorry, but you guys are listening to people. I really appreciate that you're doing this. I appreciate Gatesco for being here and listening to all of our comments. Um, I am shocked that the county is not doing more of this as well. Um, you know, these county people are elected officials and you're creating a legacy and it's not going away. You may lose your job later or you may move out of here, but once this development is done, it's gonna be here forever. And are we gonna have, you know, some horrible eyesore out there for the next 50 years? Consider what you're doing, county commissioners. And I really hope that we can have more meetings like this and more input, not just the October 20th meeting, but this really needs to be discussed. There's a lot of problems that could happen here. And, you know, I just, this is a big project and it's really gonna change things. Thanks for those comments. Um, I have a woman here who hasn't spoken yet. Uh, Jackie Kingsbury, we've lived here 18 years and we have property on Highway 135. So I agree with the last statements about the traffic. We have a hard time getting out of our own driveway onto the highway, and we're only one family. Um, so who's gonna pay for traffic lights? Is this part of the responsibility of the developer, or are we as, traffic, uh, as uh, taxpayers going to be responsible for this intersection, and how long is it gonna take the state of Colorado to provide a traffic light or more lanes? I mean, we're, who's paying for this? Uh, I also wanna know how the county commissioners or planning com uh, zoning has changed their attitude towards an open corridor coming into Crested Butte. When we purchased our land, it was very important and we had to make allowances. The plan was that you had an open, wide corridor entering Crested Butte. This is not providing a corridor. It, the hill is already raised and then you're gonna have 30 feet above that. Um, I don't see it being an open corridor entering Crested Butte. So when did, when did the zoning change got a question down front my name is john stock and i've actually am quite familiar with the housing needs assessment and the housing authority and i just have a couple comments you know one is it's really a double-edged sword that everybody's dealing with and people are going to have to change the way they're thinking about things so the smaller lots are gonna become necessary. The housing assessment is based on projected growth. It's not saying that this development's gonna bring in this many more people. It's just trying to place to put more people. And with that being said, an observation I hope that everybody's aware of in the room is what happened after the development at the ski area when they brought in the big developers and they pushed that project through, how much labor force was left behind in this valley. That is part of our current housing issue, you know? And I'm not saying 
I don't know what the timeline is or the projected schedule for it. And somebody brought up phase in it. And when the qualification request went out, there's guys in the valley that could do one-third of this project with the people who already live in the valley. So it's a, we're doing a project in Gunny right now, and we're supplying 91 units in Gunnison. And I'm, it, it, it's kind of humorous to me, but it's not that when people are talking about getting affordable housing on the ground, like I've talked to John about it, but it's... And in the last year, the new adopted codes in our valley has raised the cost of each unit by $10,000. And everybody's like, oh, these are great ideas. We're saving this and that. It's like, you guys, we have nice houses. You, you're, the battle needs to be fought on every level. You just can't find one place and say this is the wrong thing. That uh, For people to have ignored all those new adopted codes and just clapped at them and said that was a good idea, knowing it pushed all the guys who work for me, it pushed them out of being able to afford houses. People have to look at it differently. You're going to have to do smaller lots. You're going to have to try to address it somewhere. Tom Hamilton for hopefully the last time. John, I laud you for coming here. I mean, I, I understand how difficult it is, is I had a career in real estate management development to come into a crowd. Um, I have, lastly, I'll close with my concerns on density, 813 more residents at the north end of the valley putting pressure on transportation, traffic, and the schools. Lastly, uh, I question the, the viability of the affordable housing, and I question it at the low end. I don't believe that somebody who's living at 30% of AMI actually has enough money to afford 30% of their income for rent. So, you know, graduated scales, I, I, I think that the, the troubles that we had filling anthracite place are a lesson to be learned. And again, building 240 units to provide 33 units that I question the low end of affordability because I don't think those individuals can afford to pay 30% of their income to rent. They won't have enough to live on at that point. Um, is is a difficult proposition. So too much, too fast, needs vetting. Um, I laud the vision. I'm just not sure that it's the right next step for this community. Thank you for that comment. Uh, okay, do we here. have some more comments? Folks, if you're leaving early, remember you can tune this in on KBUT as you drive home. 90.3 Crested Butte, 88.7 Gunnison. We'll also archive it on our website tomorrow. Okay, next comment. Hi, my name is Pam Lowe, and we've mentioned the bus coming from Gunnison to Crested Butte and turning in on Brush Creek. Um, I have a question about 
the bus that runs just kind of shuttling between Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte. I'm not really familiar with that. We tend to ride our bikes a lot, um, so I don't know who pays for that. Um, is it jointly Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte? Is it Gunnison County? If we have a transit center here, does that mean that bus is now going to take the time to come to the transit center in this development as it makes its round? Or does it not come there and then all the people that need transportation don't have that bus service? And if it makes that additional loop, who pays for that? I'll be happy to talk about how Mountain Express finances um, with you anytime. But okay, as far as the participation in this development, yep, that's a those are great questions. Got some comments here in the back. Linda Roberts again, and I'm just concerned about the placement of the wastewater treatment area, sewage treatment. Are we going to be greeted by a smell as we come up 135? And since it's right there behind the highest density, how much of an impact is that going to be, if it's going to be an open air one? I know when we moved to town, um, the northeast side of Crested Butte was a little less desirable because of the smell. And I don't think that's going to bring tourists to our town if they're greeted by wastewater treatment on the way in. Good question. We had uh, Roland Mason here with a comment. Yeah, I just wanted to address uh, the transportation. Um, I was uh, I'm chair of the uh, RTA as well. I used to be chair of the Mountain Express, so I do a lot with uh, transportation around here. And just really quick, Crested Butte and Mount Crested Butte do pitch in to finance the Mountain Express shuttle. Um, CB South pays for the four trips um, a day out to that, so they actually pay into it. Um, I think it's during the wintertime. Other than that, the RTA will be submitting comments as well as the Mountain Express as a referral agency um, based on this proposal. So there will be comments coming in for the October 20th meeting from both Mountain Express and RTA. Thank you. Well, I have a comment. Um, my name is Lauren, uh, and I have a comment for RTA then. Um, I live in Gunnison, and like a lot of people, I work up here. And the the RTA bus is fabulous, but I think the reality of the bus is that it doesn't suit a lot of workers' needs in terms of the times that it runs. And if you now have hundreds of our Valley workers living in this singular location and looking to ride the bus regularly for work, one thing I think the RTA is going to have to start talking about is the, the bus schedule, right? And capacity. And capacity. Oh, thanks so Thanks for those comments. Who else? Hi, this is Julie Manchester. I'm just on the bus thing again. Is the bus, how is the RTA bus paid for? Is it a grant? And I don't know if it is, but if it is, what will happen if that grant goes away to the bus communication system? Um, so we're fortunate in this valley that uh, the voters a couple of years ago did improve an increase in the sales tax um, that does fund RTA. Yes. 
There are certainly grants, and there are grants both for Mountain Express and RTDA, particularly for purchasing of new buses and for operations. That's right. And then we have another comment from Jackson. Just a clarification, if you know, how many total referral agencies are there? I do not have that information, Jackson. I'm sorry. Arbus Tully. Hypothetically, let's say this thing's about 50% capacity. And of that 50%, there are 30% of those guys that go to work at 8 o'clock. You got one way out of that neighborhood onto Highway 30 to go either south to Gunny or north to Crested Butte. Is the traffic situation going to be addressed first with the turning lanes, the traffic lights, and then the project built? Or will the project be built and we wait for years for the state to decide on a traffic light? Thanks. Great comments. This is Leah Williams, and I have a couple of comments. The first is I wonder where our I, questions, I guess, first is are the town's three-mile plan. And how has that been implemented, if at all, or viewed by the county? The second concern is this is public property being handed over to a private entity, and there is no way to give assurances to the public about the ultimate pricing of the property there, uh, the rents. Um, can't remember what my third one was, but <laughs> it'll come back later. But I guess also I, it did come back. And my hope for Crested Butte is I know we're all a white bread group of people, but we come from such diverse, varied backgrounds, and we're neighbors with each other. And... I would like to see a real effort go to dispersing affordable housing throughout the communities, throughout all the communities we have, and not lumping it. This looks like standard procedure from the last 25, 30 years. My name is John Hess. Um, I'd like to start, I've got a few things here. I'd like to start with that I'm disappointed with the local governments and the process that's been used here so far. We seem to be dividing people in the community rather than uniting people. Um, certainly this ought to be 100% deed-restricted affordable housing. The drawing seems to indicate that the wastewater treatment will be in a landlocked area and that the river is off to the left or off to the west and north. And where does the outfall go and whose property does it cross and do you have a right-of-way to get there? Um, 
I don't think the town should run water and or sewer, or either one, from the town limits today out to this to serve this uh, project. I think that uh, we ought to be thinking about a bigger picture also, which is if we just keep building affordable housing like this over and over and over and over, because we keep every time we build some, we then can have more businesses, then we need more people to work there, then we need more businesses, then we need more people. Well, what about uh, the open space? Shouldn't there be, like, for every unit we build, at least an acre of open space also preserved at the same time? Not necessarily on the site, someplace else. Um, I think the density should be similar to the neighborhood. Uh, I wanted to, th oh, my list goes on, but I wanted to thank the town for holding this uh, conversation. Um, and I th really think the county ought to be having similar conversations. I th and I think a lot of the questions that people are asking today will, could be answered on the 20th, but not all of them. Um, I think this much density, if this project keeps moving forward, it also requires that there be commercial space there. If we're talking six to 800 people, well, you know, think back to 1990 in Crested Butte, there was about 800, 800, 900 people here. Think about how much commercial space there was in town also. This d demands that. Um, the county's track record on affordable housing is not real good. They had affordable housing at Skyland, and I think it was like 40 or 50 units out there, and I don't know if any of that exists anymore. Uh, they didn't get as much affordable housing out at Buckhorn as they uh, were told they were going to get. Um, so how do we know the deed restriction will be maintained for these units over time? Um, I think 800 people or 600 people demands ballparks, baseball, soccer. Or, or does the developer in the county, if the county approves this, do they just expect Crested Butte to provide all the ball fields? Um, every subdivision in the county should have uh, some affordable housing. Uh, that's a battle I fought with the county for some years and we're now talking in this one, 180% of AMI. So we're talking like doctors, you know, needing a place to live. They used to say at the county level, well, you don't want the people who are working to be living all out all over the place. Well, but, you know, some of us wanted to live out there. Most, I don't. I want to live in town. Um... Why not put land on this project for school? All, all of you who are real interested in this uh, need to pay attention to the LUR and how it works. The way it works is the county has a set of rules called the land use resolution. They only care about what the land use resolution says and what the uh, standards are in the land use resolution. You can bring up lots of other subjects, but they don't care about those. They care about the standards in the land use resolution read the land use resolution, and then make your comments at the planning commission meetings. 
What about trading some of this land for land in town and putting some of the density that's proposed here in town? And last, uh, oh, that was my last. We've got about 15 minutes left here. Chad, We've got a gentleman down front. Okay, yep. Do that and then you. Okay, yeah. Please start with your name. Thank you. I'm Bill Eberly. And uh, I want to just talk about affordable housing in general, just philosophically. Uh, we, I was, I've been a builder for 65 years. I mean, I'm 65 years old. I was a builder for 40 years. I'm retiring here. I really like it here. And I'm about to build a house. And I'm going to be paying uh, $49,000 for permits and studies, $15,000 for unnecessary structure because of engineers and the whole way the whole thing is controlled by the big corporations that make you buy more beams and more steel, et cetera and build things you absolutely do not need. How do I know? Because I built in Vermont, and we stood the same kinds of snow loads with a tiny fraction of the structure. And then the final thing was uh, $10,000 worth of time of the highest level skill in trying to get the project underway. So that's $74,000 <clears> that you could just flat, completely cut out of my house. And the reason why you don't have affordable housing is real simple. Back in the day, when Crested Butte was a mining town, if you wanted a house, you just talked to Frank, and uh, he had a saw and a hammer, and he built you a house. And that was that. So the reason why we don't have any affordable housing is because of regulation. Dara. My name's Jeff Duke. I live in Larkspur, and my question, concern is how the land uh, can be, from what I've heard, uh, under purchase agreement or pending sales contract already when this is really our first public meeting about this. So that's a big concern of mine. Um, among many, many, many other concerns. <laughs> but uh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I guess my, my other question is about how much of this is actually affordable housing. I believe we've touched on this some, but it, it sounds like less than 33 units would be at or below the average median income. Um, this gentleman here talked about wanting to afford to have a place to live, and I'm assuming your affordable rent is seven to nine hundred or a thousand dollars. Is that realistic? Thousand higher than you could afford? You have to live in Gunnison. Do you mind if I ask what you pay for rent right now? Four hundred and forty dollars. So I guess, which is great. I mean, that's, that's what is realistic affordable housing, in my opinion. So my question is, how much of this housing falls under that criteria so this gentleman has a place to live? Okay. Do we have any more comments? There's one right here. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Gary Gates, and I'm part of Gates Co. 
it's pointed out. Just want to, I appreciate all the comments, and um, uh, you know, I'd love to sit down with you, Richard and David, and 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 just see if we can talk through some of these uh, issues. You know, I, I live here in Creston Butte. Um, we lived up in CB South, and then bought a house here just a couple hundred yards from here. Um, and uh, this is my wife, Melissa. <clears throat> this is where I brought my daughter, Sarah. She's involved with Adaptive Sports. It's been a fabulous program. It's one of the jewels of this community. It's one of the reasons we're so involved. This is one of my sons, Travis, has the Painted Pony Cafe at Second and Elk. You know, we have 13 kids. Um, had two ourselves. <clears throat> and then felt led to adopt, and eventually we adopted it. 11 kids that brought us up to 13. Eight of my kids are in the business. We have a business, mainly owning apartments. When I was 18, started buying rent houses, bought an apartment in Houston, Texas in 86, still own that one. Now we have a little over 6,000 apartments, about 500 employees. We don't ever sell, we just buy, just keep ourselves for the long term, long term holders. You know, I started coming to Crest Butte in 1981. My wife and I, <clears throat> when we got married, came here, stayed at the Forest Queen there at Second and Elk. And um, as the kids grew, brought them to go skiing, eventually in the summertime for the summer. And then we just loved the place. And so we bought uh, a home. Reading the paper, it never intent to really build. You know, I've got enough stuff back in Houston. And, um, but eight of my kids are in the business. And uh, we uh, decided, you know, in reading the paper and understanding for many years the housing needs, that's what motivated me. I said, you know, you know we have something we can contribute. Um, and eventually it's what got us involved a couple years ago to start looking for a piece of property. Uh, started working with Kendall and a local realtor. And then once we started making some offers, I knew that we had to have a local team. Everyone on the team is from the community because they know the heart and soul of the community. And it was always very, very critical. And then as time went on, you know, my son, uh, I was renting one place and then uh, wanted a bigger place, and so we started renting underneath the third bowl. And my son has a lot of, uh, he worked in a lot of high-end resorts as a, as a sous chef, so I invited him to come on down, and uh, he, he decided he was interested in opening a cafe. And now they've put me back in the corner there. And, uh, but, you know, he gets up at 6 in the morning, opens up at 7, works till 5. You know, 10, 11 hours a day. He does that six days out of the week, 66 hours a week. Why? Because he can't find an employee. It's a, it's a problem I see throughout the community. Because he can find, we've hired people, he's hired people, but housing is the biggest concern. And, you know, it's a real issue. I see it in talking with people through the community because, I, you know, I live here. I, I go to the coffee shops, and, and I understand the struggles. And that's a, a big reason what motivated me to do this. These issues that are here, they're real. I, I want to hear them. That's why I would love to sit down. There, if anyone wants to come by the Painted Pony Cafe, I, I'm there. Um, and, and, you know, mo most of the time of the day, and I would love to sit down with anyone and try to to address your concerns and 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 and, and work through them. Um, 
So I, 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 uh, I appreciate this opportunity that you all to bring these things out. And I really want this to be a project that's done in a collaborative way and works for the community. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. My name is Debbie Branion. I came up here kicking and screaming in 1989 at the horrible thought of a long car ride to a place I'd never heard of with two toddlers. But I was the only one of six parents that felt that way. And of course, we fell in love, and we came up every summer. And in 1999, we bought a home. And in 2001, the kids and I stayed up here. The kids went to high school here. They graduated from high school here. Uh, Yes, I came from Texas, but really not, because you can't take the Southern California out of yourself. When I moved to Texas when I was 27, I didn't wear makeup yet. Um, lived my whole life in blue jeans and t-shirt. So we drive and drive and drive, and we figure out only to stop at McDonald's, etc. And, you know, we turn that bend when you come just past Almont. Magnificent, right? Huh, where are we going? And then the open corridor, beautiful. And then we round the corner, and there's the park with a center for the, for the arts. And I say, oh, there must be a here here. And, uh, you know, I dealt with kids that didn't have driver's license that had to be driven long distances in the winter, and it was kind of tough. Uh, but what I most like is pretty much I've never met anyone that, doesn't want to be here. You know, they're lovely people living here. And I can't imagine taking half of the town of Crested Butte, which I've been told, I don't know if it's true, is 650 acres, and putting it on 14 or 15 or 16 acres at a corner. And the problems the traffic will cause for everybody up and down Valley. And for the visitors and all that, you know, it's hard enough to get here, but then to get stopped in traffic doesn't sound very appealing. And when I was living here full time, someone was taking care of my dog. And my dog did run out on I-35 and was very, very seriously injured. And our daughter wouldn't wear a seatbelt. And I kept telling her that accidents are unplanned events. So we could plan and plan and there'll still be accidents and the care of children and animals is very important. And if you have 20 or 30 cars back up at the 20 or 30 cars back up at the stoplight at 135, guess what happens when you get to Bellevue and then at the four-way stop? I mean, it's, we're going to have complex traffic issues. And every, everybody who's here loves living here. I understand why they want to stay. I think we need to have affordable housing. I don't know what that means. This gentleman brought up a great point because when I look at that, formula that doesn't sound affordable to me, and uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I think there has to be some, some way to work it out, and that probably is a lot of subsi subsidizing by businesses and towns, and I hope we're all here to make Crested Butte an even better place and to plan carefully for our future, and I want to thank Dara for asking us all to be well-behaved, because, you know, if I just talk to people who are like-minded, that's a waste of talking. So I appreciate everything everyone's had to say, and I hope we have a lot more process before this comes to fruition.
We're going to take two more, and then we're going to stop at eight. Um, someone who hasn't asked yet. Thanks. My name is Jeff Isaac. Um, I like to summarize things, and since this is the uh, end of the evening, I'll do that. What is going on here for reasons from dog poop to school kids is this project's too big. Two, um, I'm surprised that this is mostly a question uh, session rather than comments, and that tells me that a lot of people here feel like they're in the dark. And three, this thing's moving too fast. And something that is too big, moving too fast, in the dark, sounds an awful lot like the Royal Mail ship Titanic. <clears throat> so the message that I hope that elected representatives are hearing here and the developers and so forth is slow down, answer the questions, What was my third point? Slow down, <laughs> answer the questions, and make it smaller. Um, and I think that's the summary of all, practically every comment I've had and every question I've heard here. And finally, you know, this is supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And the fact that you have uh, done this here tonight restores my faith that that might actually be happening in our communities. And I thank you for that. Great summary. Last comment of the evening coming down here. I'm Oscar Horan, and I was uh, wondering if the principals that own this property that are envisioning selling it uh, and developing it have access to other parcels of land that could also be developed so that we could have, instead of a single point solution to uh, affordable housing problems, we could spread this out in the community and have the needs met where they're where they should be met, some on the mountain, some in town, and some out here. So that's my only comment. Um, so I want to thank you all, and thank you all for humoring me and um, trying to hold your applause. And um, helpful, very helpful for the radio audience as well. Um, Kendall has told me that the Brush Creek team, um, development team, Gatesco team, will be posting um, their answers to the questions that they've heard tonight on their website, um, which I believe is the corner at brushcreek.com. I don't know if you have a timeline for when to expect those. So Kendall is saying before the county meeting, um, the first county meeting, and again, a reminder, that meeting is on October 20th, and that's a work session with the Planning Commission. You can certainly find out more information on the county's website, gunnisoncounty.com or whatever that is, um, to find out about that meeting and the details of that. So again, thank you very much, and um, really appreciate all the comments and the candor, candor and the respectful nature um, that we've had this conversation. And again, I would extend a thank you to the elected officials who are here tonight and listening and um, hearing what you're saying. So thank you. Listening to 90.3 KBUT Crested Butte, 88.7 KGNI Gunnison, 94.9 in Jack's Cabin, and online at KBUT.org. My name is Christopher Biddle. We have brought you a live broadcast of a town hall style work session with the Crested Butte Town Council. The issue at hand was the proposed Brush Creek uh, housing development at the intersection of 135 
and Brush Creek Road, just south of Crested Butte proper. Uh, We have brought that to you for the past hour and a half or so. We're going to be spinning music here uh, for about another half hour before Jimmy C. comes in for his inaugural show here on KBUT Community Radio. It's one minute past eight o'clock. Keep it tuned. (laughs) 